This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good evening, everybody. How are you? This is Steve Peasley. Welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, August 21st, 2020. That means we're about two-thirds of uh, the way through August, and we'll be next week is the last week in September. Six more trading days. Anyways, uh, there are many things that are different about this year, mostly due to COVID-19, right? Mostly. But it's also a presidential election year, which comes around once every four years. So it's pretty safe to say that it's been a pretty difficult year, especially with the shutdown of the economy completely. And, of course, that then crashed the market. And the market's been working up ever since then. It's now at a couple of new highs. Not, not the overall market, by the way, just so you know. Uh, if you look at NYSE, it's not there. But the Dow, uh, the NASDAQ, has, of course, blew past its old high uh, weeks ago because of the the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, Microsoft, you know, those stocks have been really driving the market. I mean, when you have a stock like Apple, it's $2 trillion close to it in market cap, it, and it, it's it, and the prices of these things. Now, when, when Apple splits, and like when that happens, they won't be so in, influential on some of the in, in indexes. Because some are price-weighted. Price-weighted. So it's just, you know, you don't get a complete picture, but that's all the report on, on the news outlets. is S&P 500, the Dow, the NASDAQ, those three are their main well, main indexes, they quote. But it's not all. It's not true. And I, I, with the splits, I think it might help some of the indexes become more reasonable. Anyways, because of all this volatility, you as an investor pretty have to pretty much have to sharpen your skills. Uh, I, I've told you many times that uncertainty leads to increasing market volatility. So we're now uncertain. What are we uncertain about? Well, one is the election, but even more so than that is this spending package that the Republicans and Democrats are fighting over. Okay, and no, I don't know if it's going to get done before the election. Oh. So this guy's, you know. So for investors, the seven months since the start of this year, it's been pretty unsettling. And if you're serious, which we all are, are we not? I am with my money, and with my clients' money. You know, our financial goals don't change, and we still have to get there. We have to deal with the volatility and learn how to compensate with it. And so that's what our show is about here, by the way, to help you with those kinds of decisions. I'm Steve Peasley, and today in this program and podcast, I'm going to do my best to give you um, the unbiased answers you want, you ask. Anything to do with finances, anything to do with money, I'll talk about. So, I'll help you with the strategies and the volatility, how to deal with it. But give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Okay, on Stock and at my company, KPP Financial in California, Irvine, California, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking, shared success. This makes us a bit different than other investment advisors. Uh, besides being dedicated to unbiased guidance, we also recommend investment strategies that we implement for ourselves. I put my own money in all our programs. 
I do. I want to be with my clients. And we call this practice parallel investing. Okay, that's what we do. Anyways, we're now ready for your calls. I'm ready to take your calls. I like getting to them as fast as possible. 888-99-CHART. And you may have noticed, of course, Justin and I are not, you know, flying anywhere because of COVID-19, but we still can offer portfolio management, uh, you know, to take a look at your portfolio and give you some suggestions based on what, how much risk you're willing to take, how much risk, and we'll show you how much risk you're taking. So if you want to do that, send me an email, go to KPP uh, Financial in Irvine, California, give us a call, send me an email through investtalk.com, and you can send it through anywhere. Just contact me. I'll be happy to do that. Justin and I will be happy to do My focus point today concerns the story of bondholders fear California blackouts because of the wildfires. Do we go don't we go through this every year? Remember, I'm in the wildfire territory. We go through this every year. Bond investors are concerned about California's heat wave, rolling blackouts, wildfires, and the state struggles with its worst power crisis in nearly two decades. Yeah, yeah. So what's going on in the utility space? We'll be, we'll be talking about that. Uh, I want to talk about some of the statistics that came out. Okay, well, you know we had the existing housing uh, sales I mentioned earlier in the week. Uh, I mean, a new, uh, not existing, that came out today. What came out early in the week is housing starts. So I want to talk about the report that came out today. Also out today, leading economic indicators, jobless claims, and the market PMI, the flash report, meaning the the, the, they're looking at August. Usually, don't get August reports till until September, right? But this is the P, uh, market, M A R K I T PMI flash report for non-manufacturing services, uh, manufacturing services that came out today. And finally, I want to talk about Russian politics for a bit. Huh? Yeah, I bet you I surprised you with that one. Anyways, let's go ahead and get started answering some questions. Those are the things I'm going to get to. The market was up 190 points on the Dow, 47 on the Nasdaq, 12 on the S&P 500. So let's go. Let's go ahead and get to the callers. Uh, Jay, Denver, how you doing, Jay? Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me, uh, Bat Leadoff here, and, and a longtime listener, and uh, love your show, sir. Thank you. Uh, two questions for you, and I maybe this is a good uh, entry. I know you're going to talk about utilities, I think you said. Uh, yep. One is Enphase Energy, E-N-P-H. Uh, they are heavy in solar, and just kind of wondered your takes on them and the solar space in general. Seems to be kind uh-huh. of a hot uh, green energy right now. Seems to be a hot thing. Right. And the other was PayPal. Uh, if PayPal still has room to run or just kind of what your thoughts are with them. And um, I just kind of wanted okay. to hear your thoughts. Okay, let's look at Enphase first. Uh, I usually only do one stock, as you probably know, but let's see what I can do. Enphase Energy is a $9.2 billion company, develops, designs, and sells home energy solutions for the solar photoelectric, uh, photovoltaic, photovoltaic, I don't know, industry. Um, They make money. They're growing their sales. It was interesting, the the most recent sales quarter they shrank sales by 6%. But the three quarters before that were well over 100% growth in each of those quarters. So that might have been a COVID situation, you know, but I, and the stock has taken off. I mean, you know, there's no, you know, this stock has really taken off. 
It's selling for $73.14. And in last November, it was under about, it was about $15. Okay. In 2008, it was a dollar. That's the low in 2018, a dollar. 2019 low was $4. Now it's at 73. Don't you wish you could go back in time and buy it back then? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Can we get a time machine in here or something? Anyways, I like it because you're right. I think that sector is so popular that I think that you're just going to keep seeing this kind of growth. I, I think that they have a blip in June. And notice that the blip in June came out, the June sales, but the stock really didn't fall very much. It went from 65 in the middle of May down to 45 in June. And there was your pullbacks. Now it's back to 73. So it's lower, I mean, higher lows and higher highs. And right now it seems like it's hesitating. You might get a little pullback here, and that would be an opportunity to buy. Simple as that. PayPal, P-A-P-Y-P-L, I think is that simple. Uh, provides digital mobile payments on behalf of consumers and merchants worldwide. Another growth industry. And that, and that again, this stock took off too. I, I, both of them are very strong. I, I have no issues with you owning each. You're just going to have to overpay for them. Just going to have to overpay. But that's why I'm asking you to wait for a pullback to see if you can get it a little bit cheaper. Jay, appreciate the call. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. As serious investors, we try our best to manage our fear and greed. The only two motions that matter in the market. Fear and greed. You've got to control them. We also understand the necessity of managing risk. What kind of risk do you want to take and manage it to make sure you don't take more than you're comfortable with? So we can talk about this. Your participant in, participation is important. It's a great big part of the show. We are taking your calls, 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Friday. Steve Peasley is on duty and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Joe. I live in Colorado, and I'm curious about the copper space, particularly the company SCCO, Southern Copper. Just curious your thoughts. I haven't heard much talk about that in the commodities realm, and just curious what you think. Thank you. Bye. Well, I actually kind of like the commodities realm, even though I don't have a lot other than in gold and uh, gold mining companies, but we do have exposure to that space. Uh, Southern Copper Corporation, SCCO, engages in mining of copper and operates mining, smelting, and refining facilities in Peru and Mexico. Uh, they're not growing very much. The right, most recent quarter, shrinkage of 2%. Before that, shrinkage of 2%. The quarter before that, I mean three quarters ago, the December 2019 quarter, they grew 9%. It's, a two, it's going to make $2.04 next year. They always made money. $1.47 this year, $1.92 last year. So this year is going to have a little downward slump in their earnings. Um, but they're going to make $2.04. It's a $45 stock. So that tells you it's expensive. It's about two-thirds up in the range of its uh, five-year P.E. range. The low is 14. Return equity is very good at 22. They don't have a ton of debt, but they have some. And mutual funds are buying. Obviously, they're driving the stock. 
Frankly, I think uh, you might be a little late. I mean, in March, they were, what, $20 a share? 20-something dollars a share? Low 20s? So they have 45. I'd wait for a pullback, just like I've been saying recently. But I do like the space. But you're going to have to pay up for it. See, I don't like paying up for things. I, I like to buy them when they're at good values. But it, sometimes you just can't. So it depends on if you, you know, I would wait for a pullback if I really wanted to get in that space and then buy into it. But I do think that it's a good space to be in. Okay, let's go to Kevin in Austin, Texas. Kevin. Hello, sir. Uh, thank you for taking the call. A thank question you. for you. I'm in my early, early, early 30s, and I hear you hey. say to other callers, wait for a pullback, kind of like you just mentioned. But if yes. I want to get into an Apple or Microsoft or Amazon long term, I've heard a lot of people say time is better than timing in the market. Does it that really? Is absolutely I mean, true. does a pullback really matter to me if I'm going to hold a stock for the next ten years or fifteen years? I hope that question makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense, and it's a good question. And the answer is no. If you now let's let me ask you: if you bought Apple and got cut in half in price. What would you do? Would you say, I don't want to keep it anymore? And you sell out, and that would be the absolute wrong thing to do. Because you're saying, I'm holding, you buy an Apple, it's a very good long-term prospects for Apple, so you can buy it and just wait. Now, I'll have you know, I've owned Apple in, our, in some of, most of our managed accounts since 2008. And I'm still holding it, and I don't care if it goes down. But there was a period in there, two or three years, where it just went sideways, up and down in a short range, but never did anything. I didn't care. I still held it because the earnings were growing, and they were consistently growing, and eventually it would get rewarded. And, of course, look at the last last couple of years. You got rewarded for all that length of time of holding it. It didn't, didn't do much. But yes, Kevin, timing does not matter. Time in the market does. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we know that market trading is already into three, the third quarter. Okay, we're into the third quarter. Wow. For investors, this means you can expect continuing volatility because of what's going on. 888 99 is my number. Listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Beasley. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 Okay, as you know, on Fridays, I try to squeeze in a quick rundown on the key benchmark numbers. The two-year Treasury yield at 0.14%. That's extremely low. The 10-year Treasury yield, 10 years, you get 0.6% a year. Less, a little over half a percent a year. That is very, very low. And that, of course, is you can thank the Fed pushing those interest rates down. Of course, that affects the mortgage rates. The 10-year usually tracks the mortgage rates. Gold has pulled back. 
was it? It was over two thousand. Now it's under two thousand dollars an ounce. Oil is selling for about forty-one dollars, forty-two dollars a barrel. And gasoline, two dollars and eighteen across the nation is the average. In California, is three dollars and twenty-two cents. Always about a dollar more. And the cheapest apparently is Nebraska, two dollars and ten cents. Uh, the national medium home price has surpassed three hundred thousand dollars. For the first time on record, home prices have been going up. And, of course, that is significant. Let's go to Sid in North Carolina. He wants to talk about AMD. Sid. Hey, Steve. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Thank Thanks you for the call, for taking Sid. my call. Thank you. Yes. I'm trying to uh, look uh, AMD. I'm monitoring this for six months, doing very well compared to Intel, even though it's a small company, and it's growing almost exponentially. i just like to know your thoughts, whether it is still a good point to get in, or we should wait for the pullback. Thank you for your okay. thoughts, and really appreciated what you're doing. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Now, AMD, Advanced Micro Devices, is not a small company. It's a $98 billion company. That's very, very large. A large company is described to any company over $10 billion in market cap. Market cap is the simple mathematical formula of the number of shares outstanding times the price. That defines the size of the company. Okay? So AMD is not small. It's big at $98 billion. They're going to make $1.10 this year. That's up 70%, $1.10 per share, 70% higher than last year. Then next year, $1.64, which is another 49%. Sales in the most recent quarter, June, 26% rise. Before that was 40, before that was 50, before that was 9% rise. So, of course, the stock is price is reflecting that great growth. So, uh, about a year ago, it was around $30 a share. Today, it's 83 When at the bottom it made during the um, COVID uh, bear market, it was at 40 And remember, it's 83 83 81 today. Okay. So, it's only going to make a dollar sixty-four as an eighty-three dollar stock. That the growth, sales growth, and the earnings growth is very strong. Therefore, the price is very high compared to them because it's always about growth, and the growth stocks are been driving the market. So they have very good numbers: seventeen percent return on equity. I mean, I'm sorry, thirty-seven percent return on equity, seventeen percent debt. So hardly any debt. Management owns one percent. Mutual funds. Went from 1765 a year ago to 2126 today. Remember, mutual funds drive stock prices because they buy big chunks of these stocks. So it's been going sideways for most of this month. At the very beginning of the month, like the first day or two, it jumped up. And then from there, it's been going sideways. So, you know, is it a bargain? No. Is it expensive? Yes. Is it going to continue to go up? Maybe. But I would wait for a pullback because it's expensive. My focus point today concerns the story. Bond investors are concerned about California heat wave, rolling blackouts, and wildfires as the state struggles with its worst power crisis in nearly two decades. So what's going on in the utility space? Okay. First of all, it's California, everybody. I, I've lived here when I uh, was about five or six, moved to San Diego, 
went here to high school, college here in Southern California, then moved back to, to New York, worked there for nine years, then moved back to Southern California. What I can tell you, California, both, every place outside California, when, when they hear about the wildfires in California, they think the whole state's burning down. It's not. It is bad in certain parts, but it's been decades from where I live that there's been a fire problem with fire. So it, it's just remember you got to remember how big the state is, and the state is most of its development is along the coast, okay. Uh, but there's state, little cities all the way around, you know, you know, suburbs and things. And any of those suburbs, there's lots of. I mean, I'm really close to the coast, my the coast here in San Juan Capistrano, where I'm broadcasting from, where I live. But there's Chaparral, less than two or three miles inland from me, meaning things that can burn. So I don't think you need to worry too much. I wouldn't buy any bonds for California utilities because there's always a problem. There's always something. Houses burn down, they get blamed. Okay, trivia question, everybody. Two-parter. Can you specify the time period and the name of the first American bubble of the 20th century? And historically, when and where did the early stock market bubble and market crash appear? Hint, it wasn't in the United States. Wasn't. I'll have the answer after the break, but for now, my phone lines are open. I encourage you to give me a call, 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. 
HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener, you may even have called a few times, but if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888 99Chart. Okay, okay, the bubbles that were, they are actually in the United States. There are, well, with history, there's been lots of bubbles outside the United States, but these two are in the United States. My, my, my problem, my mistake. Sorry, everybody. Okay, um, so the question was, um, uh, can you specify the time period and name of the first American bubble of the 20th century, and historically, when and where did the early stock market bubble and market crash appear? Okay. So the two in, in the United States here, first one, you probably can guess both of them. Uh, one, uh, of course, is more more recent. Okay. But what is a bubble? You know, some people don't really know. It's hard. Let me define it. A stock market bubble is an economic bubble taking place in stock markets when the market participants drive stocks prices above their intrinsic value. Now, bubbles can keep growing and growing and growing. That, you know, bubble does not necessarily say how big it has to be before it's classified as a bubble. And there's a lot of behavior or financial theory about all this stuff. Uh, it basically leads to, bubbles lead to groupthink and herd mentality, herd behavior, and then these bubbles pop. So the, the, there has been two significant bubbles here in the United States, okay, in the late 1990s, sure you could have guessed that one, the dot-com bubble, the dot-com bubble where, you know, because of the development of new technologies, everything was going on the on, online, or in the web, in the cloud, everything was going, 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 and it drove stock prices crazy. I mean, you had dot-com IPOs for companies that were didn't have any plan to ever make money. It was, it was silly. That's a bubble. Okay, then the other one's the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties, then the crash of 1929, okay? And that also was, you know, a new development, new technology, automobile and airplane and, you know, new technologies, big time back then. Now, how about the earliest stock market bubble? Earliest, historically speaking, 
Okay, uh, been around since the 17th century, the Dutch Republic. It was the birthplace of the first formal stock exchange and stock market in history. That's where it first came, that first bubble back then. This is almost hard to believe, but the first major stock market bubble in Netherlands, 17th century Netherlands, also think of as Holland, was based on a tulip mania demand. Tulips. Yes, we're talking about the flowers, everybody. Tulip bulbs. It was crazy. You you know, there's a book on my website, and one I constantly recommend, and that is the, uh, what is it? The the Madness of Crowds. uh, What's the full title, though? Uh, uh, Extraordinary Delusion and the Madness of Crowds. And they, they write a whole couple chapters on that tulip bubble. Tulips. Tulip. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars for a bulb in the 1637. Crazy. Let's go to Daniel Mountain View. Hi, Daniel. How you doing? Hi, Steve. Great. Long-time listener. Um, just had a question about an, uh, an online um, medical stock uh, uh-huh. that's fairly new, Onum, uh, One Life Healthcare. Uh-huh. You want to buy it, or you're looking to? You already well, own it. I have a small position. I was wondering whether I should. Uh, it's just going sideways. Wondering whether I should add to it, given what Teladoc is doing, or what you know, it's in that space, okay. or whether okay. I should um, um, maybe just wait. And I'm punching in different software. Looking for. Okay, this provides a membership-based primary care platform with digital health and inviting in-office care services. So it's kind of a, there's a couple of companies that have this concept, okay? It's a membership base. So you become a member and you pay your premiums and to all the, and you, they, and you as member, you all share the health costs. That's what that's it. Uh, it's pretty small, three, no, but not tiny. It's a small cap company, $3.7 billion. Sales growth is 18 to 30% per quarter and has been for two years, every quarter. They lose money. That's where you lose me, Daniel. They lose money. They've lost money every year since they've been around. Of course, they IPO'd not that long ago as a public company, but I have it all the way back to 2017. They've lost money. They're going to lose 83 cents a share this year and 52 cents a share next year. So what they're trying to do is they're losing money as they try to grow, try to get this thing up and running. And uh, I, 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 I wouldn't buy it because I don't buy companies that don't make money. It's pretty speculative. It's okay to speculate with a small portion of your portfolio, a very small portion. Uh, and that's what this one would be. It's speculation on and hopeful on the growth, and the growth will eventually turn into profits. But uh, it's, it's just, I'm just not excited about it. I'm not excited about it. Okay, Justin in Escalon, California. Let's talk about the dollar. Justin. Hi, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for the call. I really do appreciate it. Um, I was just wondering if you could help me understand what's going on with the dollar right now because uh, I'm trying to position a little bit. Uh, I've got a little bit of in gold and silver and uh, some other things. Uh, that are obviously affected by what's going on with the dollar. And uh, it's it's kind of going sideways a little bit. And yeah. there was a, a couple of days ago it went, it really tanked really far, really low, but gold and silver didn't react the same. And then, I, and then we had that day where it just shot up 
uh, after the Fed um, minutes were released. And so I was trying to understand what's going on with it right now and what you kind of think the short medium term prospect is for right now. Short term, I think it could stabilize in this area, short term, because what would weaken the dollar is another spending package because of the debt. Okay, the, we're putting on so much debt, right? Even though our economy is starting to come back a bit, you know, then different things are doing pretty well. And that might be why the dollar shot up this week, um, because the economic numbers out this week were pretty good, especially housing, which is a major part of our economy. So that gives, you know, the, the people who trade, trade in currencies a little hesitation about driving that dollar down more because you can't, your economy is not that bad, that kind of thinking, okay? Uh, and that's what drove it up this, this week. But I, it's in a long-term downtrend. It hasn't broken that trend line up, so it's still in that downtrend. And I'm pretty sure the government, the Congress and the president, either before or after the election, will agree to some kind of spending package, and that will mean the dollar will continue to go down, and that will mean gold and silver probably continue to go up. So it might go sideways for you on a while, for a while, but it might give you an opportunity to buy more uh, precious metals if you are not fully positioned yet. So that that's really what's going on. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. The KPP Premium Newsletter was distributed to subscribers today, and it is packed with helpful information and insight. In the market conditions section, the stock, I explained, the stock market is showing signs of getting tired as Washington, D.C. politicians uh, uh, vacillate over the size and scope of the next economic relief package. They, uh, they, just, they, may, they may not agree. We don't know when they will agree. Gold also seems to be struggling. It has single, it's signaling a pullback, what I said in the newsletter. Both categories, precious metal investments and the stock market, are due for a breather. Because there is too much bullishness in each of these areas. Everybody tries, we call it, the crowd is very, the trade is very crowded. The trade is very crowded. So gold is very crowded, meaning a lot of people have come in very fast. So as a stock market, it's kind of crowded. A lot of people come. And what, what you need to have is a nice, healthy pullback. I would be very content to have. A 10% pullback. I know a lot of people say, oh, my God, no, 10%. No, that, that's healthy. That's normal. We should have that. Okay? Because then that'll shake out what we call the weak hands holding on to stocks and gold. Weak hands. They panic out. Weak hands are gone. Only the people that are serious about holding on to these stocks or, these, or the, this commodity you know, are left. That's what you want. Strong hands holding it. That gives you a base to work from for the next week. Okay? That's what I was talking about. Portfolio management. Talked about fear and greed, and I've talked about fear and greed many times in the past. And what it takes, you need to be disciplined. You need to learn your lessons. You need to do homework. you got to do stuff. You just can't pick stocks and say, oh, I like it because someone said I should like it. Or it's on the news. Okay, therefore I'm going to buy it. That's not a healthy way pick stocks, okay? It's just not. So the, the, the portfolio management section is telling you you got to do your homework. Don't let fear and greed drive you. Don't. 
Okay, on the stock ideas, I talked about every day, three billion people play video games. Three billion with a B. Three billion every day. Okay, consequently, the video game market is over $100 billion in annual revenue. And of course, there's a couple of stock, there's a stock in that area. Okay, and I mentioned that. Uh, you know, and you probably can guess it's all it's the big one. Okay, so there's every there's two stock ideas every every week in the premium newsletter. There's two of them. Consumer Watch. Since I talked about the video, I, one of my talks picks was a video game uh, company. I wanted to talk about Consumer Watch about video games becoming a major component of entertainment for the youth, especially in this COVID environment that we're in gaming has increased in popularity dramatically maybe it has something to do with the need for social distancing too right can't be with your friends can't play sports you can't get together but gamers can play by themselves or against their friends or in groups against groups you know all kinds of stuff but the concern is health the health of the gamers lack of exercise Obesity. Now, of course, lack of exercise, they, they, they'll go all the way back to when they mentioned the TV, which was my day when I was growing up. Oh, my God, the TV, you're watching too much TV. My parents limited how much TV I could watch. I had to go outside and play. So that is the big concern. Health. Okay, health. And plus, you know, kids don't learn to socialize with other live beings, live real people important skill to learn okay so there's a lot of valuable information in the kpp premium newsletter each week it's easy for you to subscribe directly through the investtalk.com website there investtalk.com and after subscribing you'll receive the full report each friday directly in your inbox okay if this uh, now if anything i said here brings up a question in your mind i encourage you to give me a call you can reach out to me or justin you can send us an email give us a call Either way, go to investtalk.com. You can send me an email. Okay, let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question, this time from Pittsburgh, from 888-99-CHART. Yes, hello. My name is Bob from Pittsburgh, and I'm just kind of uh, a new investor. I'm kind of looking at some of the uh, lower-priced stocks, and uh, Cosmos Energy, K-O-S, has really caught my eye. just want to know what you guys thought, think about it. It's like a long-term hold, or if it's just a short-time little investment. Look forward to hearing your answer. Thanks, guys. Probably not a long-term hold. The reason why I say that, it's $612 million in size, so it's really small. It's $1.51, and definitely not a long-term hold as I'm looking at some of the numbers. I'm scanning them. Uh, it It's going to lose money this year, lose money last year. It's been losing money for years and years and years. Cosmos Energy, KOS, engaged in exploration, production of oil and gas offshore Guyana, uh, Morocco, some other of those countries in that area. They don't make money. No. Sales growth shrank 68% last quarter. Before that, the quarter before that shrank 40. Because oil, we have plenty of it. Uh, uh, you know, the thing that may have been tracked to you was the dividend yield of 12%. They're probably just giving back your own money because they don't make any money. So don't fall in love with that kind of thing. It, no, I, 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 would, I wouldn't buy this. I wouldn't buy it. I'd stay out of it. 
too risky. Uh, is you know I okay I don't think a company is a real company until they make money, and I don't really want to be around them unless they do. Now that doesn't mean I never ever never buy companies that don't make money, but it extremely I, I can't remember the last one. Extremely rare. Now it could be a big blue chip company that didn't make money last year for some unforeseen event like let's okay let's talk about you know the airline industry there's going to be companies that got killed because of covid and they don't make money they're going to lose money for a couple of years maybe i might invest in one of those someday it's that kind of thing has to happen but when it's a 600 million dollar stock that's selling a dollar 51 and hasn't made money for years it doesn't look like it's going to make money you shouldn't shouldn't be involved in that should not Talking point, everybody. Okay, existing. I talked about existing home sales. They were up twenty four percent. What about uh, they were up twenty four percent? Remember, I talked about earlier this week. Uh, new home starts were up twenty three percent. Existing home sales out today is up twenty four percent. That was huge. Those are huge numbers. And permits for new homes up twenty something percent too. Very good news on the housing market. On the next Invest Talk, this story. One fund manager says stock prices are unsustainable, and his theory explains why. But can he, is he right? We'll see. That story is Monday, everybody. For now, I'm Steve Pisa. I'm going to take your questions live, 888-99-CHART. What makes a stock fit into a certain category like emerging markets? Or what's your question? Why not ask it now at 888-99-CHART on InvestTalk. You are listening to InvestTalk. It's Friday, and the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow, so you'll have finance and investment questions. Steve Peasley is here, and he's taking your calls live. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. Love the show. I'm calling about stop losses. Do you like them, and should I have them set in case there's a big pullback ahead? Or would you rather ride it out and average down? Thanks a lot. Bye. I don't like averaging down. I, I really don't like that. Uh, the only time I like that dollar cost averaging is in kind of in mutual funds or ETS, but not for individual stock. Anyway, stop losses. I have no problem with stop losses, but you have to decide, you, the investor has to decide, okay, are these core holdings of mine? Are these trading positions I own? What's the difference between the two? Or do you have a difference? Or are you just trading? Of course, stop losses work great when you're just trading. But as I said earlier in the show, it's not timing the market. It's time in the market that matters. So I, I think you got to you know, separate in your head what stocks you want to own and for the long term, the core holdings in your portfolio. Core holdings should be big blue chip stocks. Okay? They could be growth stocks. They could be big blue chip growth stocks. I don't care. But the core holdings, stop losses are good if you're getting close to retirement. You don't want to take any more risk than a certain amount. They're good if it's a trading vehicle, trading stock that you're talking about. That's when you use stop losses. And again, I don't have any trouble with them, but you just have to use them 
judiciously, smartly. Got to be smart about it. Don't put stop losses in every stock. This is one of the reasons. You know, you have to be right twice if you get out of a stock. You got to be right getting out with with a stop loss or just getting out. And then you got to be right when to get back in if you plan on getting back in. Or you got to be right getting out and be right buying something new. Got to be right twice once you're out of a stock. Twice. Once getting out, once getting in. That makes it totally difficult. Okay, I wanted to give a little slight nod to the Russian politics compared to our politics. Okay. Okay. So everybody knows that Putin, Vladimir Putin, is pretty much a dictator. He says he's been elected, but, you know, first he was a premier and then he was president. Now he's something else, you know, dictator. But there is a guy, there's one big challenger he has for his uh, for Putin's dominance in being in charge of Russia, and the guy's name is N A V O L N Y Navalny. Well, Navalny is very popular uh, uh, on the internet. Blogger, he is very very popular as a blogger. Millions follow him in Russia, so he's a little bit of challenge to the powers that be. All of a sudden, when he was flying from someplace in Siberia to Moscow, he was poisoned on the plane. Now, I wouldn't make much of it initially, but you do realize that poison has been used quite often in recent years for poisoning foes, Russian foes. Some of them outside, I think, wasn't there one in England? You know, an ex-Russian diplomat or a politician got poisoned and almost died or did die. I, so I just know that that seems to be a favorite way. Okay. Uh, by the way, this Volvina guy has been in jail for his blogs. And Russians right now are holding national, nationwide local elections to choose regional governors that have absolutely no. So, I just, a little bit different than our politics. We we don't poison our foes here. I hope we never get to that point. But I thought that, it was not funny. It's not funny, I know that. But I just thought I'd do a little contrast with politics in Russia versus politics here. Anyways. Okay, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for listening to Invest Talk today, and I will return next week. Justin Klein will be here on Monday. In the meantime, please remember to tell your friends and family members that really is helpful, and we do really appreciate that. You can choose from over a hundred archived Invest Talk podcasts, all free downloads. Try browsing by topic titles. You can go. You can get free downloads from iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, InvestTalk.com. Independent thinking, share success, everybody. This is Invest Talk. Have a great weekend. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis 
and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 